sunny down there, or I'm going to have a, eh, I won't have a shitty time, I'm still going to have a good time, maybe, um, maybe my girl Melanie will come by, I hope, it'd be nice, uh, I'm not the serial killer Melanie, uh, you'll be fine, even though it's our first meeting in a motel, some seedy motel, in fucking Seaside Heights, this is my Conor McGregor. I kill you. This is not over. <laughs> Where are you going, buddy? Oh yeah, that's the way. Just cook me off, why don't you? of steel kill me but you do not have the right to judge me boom hey welcome got a pretty good show got some porch pontification we actually got pinhead calling in pinhead from hellraiser the horror film uh seems like he wants to talk to us he's pissed off about something i don't know what it is but we'll find out enjoy People, you know what? I think a lot of people, without doing the research, will be dismissive of the Beach Boys. When you're talking the Beach Boys, you're really talking Brian Wilson. Right? I think we have the lyrics only, or the vocals only of we, that we as do. well. We and do. Steve, that is a perfect example of when you talk about Brian Wilson and uh, the converse to what Mike Love was doing with hits and pop and yes. upbeat stuff and surfing USA and whatever. And then you get to Pet Sounds, which was mostly Brian Wilson, and it's deeper and it's more emotional. It's and, great. And, but it, and it's artier. But it wasn't they those weren't hits no you know they weren't nearly as big but i do i do have to defend the rest of the the i know everybody says you know the brian wilson was the genius because he was and he wrote the songs but 
without the harmonies, without yeah. without the without that uh, texture of those voices, they wouldn't. There's no exactly way they would have right. been the same. You're exactly right, and, and he knew that too. Yes. yes. Um, number twelve on this list is Superstition from Stevie Wonder. It's right. hard to argue with That's that song. A great yeah. song, but, but there are other Stevie Wonder songs that I like a little bit better than that. Really? But, uh, yeah. Uh, Superstition, yeah, that's not my all-time favorite. What's your favorite Stevie Wonder song, if I could even throw that at you? Man, oh, man. You know what always gets me every time? What? Isn't She Lovely? It's it's a beautiful song. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, and that one, I think of my daughter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, get, I get all choked up when I think about that. Uh, but I, I also love uh, Boogie on Reggae Woman. Yeah. It's just a fun song. Yeah. Um, man, what else is there? There's so many good things. Oh, I wish. Casey, you just pulled that one up. That's... This is a great, great song, man. It's such a great band. The genius, too. Uh, so anyhow, that's number 12. I want to get through at least 20 of these if yeah. we can, but we've got a we've got a guest coming up here in a little bit. Uh, number 13, Rolling Stones, Gimme Shelter. Wow, what a great song. It's a great song. Uh, I'm going to have to zip through these quicker. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, number 14, The Kinks, Waterloo Sunset. What? Yeah, uh, hang on. What, 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 it is a good song. I don't really. I'd have to hear it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna play it for you. Waterloo. It's a, no, that's oh, that's Abba. I'm sorry. This is a band that I probably need to take a deeper dive with because they're great. There are songs that I know. Oh. The song that they play in Endgame when they're going to see uh, Thor. Yeah, that's a King song. Yeah. Then you have another Beatles song at uh, number 15, which is I Want to Hold Your Hand, uh, the song that broke them in America. Yeah. Um, is it my favorite Beatles song? Uh, I guess they're, they're, they're figuring the weight of it because it is that introductory song, as you're saying. Um, it's just, for yeah. whatever reason, they're in, on their top 50 list, and that's how they uh, got these together. And I was reading a little bit about it, and uh, Nick Murphy took a dive. He was taking a... Um, driving trip and he's like you know what? i'm gonna take a dive in the beatles i'm gonna start from the beginning he started listening to the first couple of albums and i, I don't think that was the right way to do it no. because it's all i love you i want to hold your hand she loves you you know all this stuff it's all uh lovey-dovey and stuff but paul in that uh, in that three two one uh documentary was like dude we were just writing songs we weren't putting a lot of deep meaning into them and a crap we load just, we were just cranking yes. out songs yeah and we were and also at the time we were writing to the girls you know you're the a guy in a band you want to get girls want to get laid but it was after that <laughs> it was once they got to like rubber soul and stuff like that they were like okay we can do a little bit more with with our ability we wanted to have women touch our babies yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> uh number 16 is uh beyonce crazy in love it's a don't, good song. I don't know my Beyonce, so you, I You apologize. do know the song. You, you have a case? Yeah, we'll find it. We don't have enough time. I have the lyrics on my t-shirt. Unless, Case, you want to keep going until our interview. We can go, keep going until our interview. Should okay. we keep going until our interview? We're going to keep going until our interview. Blanket statement, Beyonce's overrated. Uh, uh, by the way, Nick, a lot of people who are music critics and aficionados uh, would echo that. She's so, enormously talented. She I, is. I've yep. seen her perform, and uh, and but man, people idolize her, and uh, what she has brought to the table is not revolutionary. I think she's been bestowed a Diana Ross status. Yeah. That, oh, that 
uh, again, you know what I say? Massively talented. Get out of here with you. Get out of here, you creep. So you you have the bum. There's a woman, uh, an overweight woman in uh, Scotland who sits. She's part of the beehive, and she posts all these these photos (laughs) on on a Facebook page. I'm Uh, a big fat lady in Scotland. But she's got these. She is like an internet. I don't want to call her a sensation, but what does she do? Pretty, pretty. She just posts these photos of her like giving the double middle fingers to her neighbors because she sits in a lawn chair, drinking giant beers, blasting Beyonce. Well, she's kind of like a neighborhood yeah. menace. Yeah. yeah, she sounds great. <laughs> wow, I think the town should get together and murder her. So that's at number 16. Right. Number 17, Trolling Stones updated top 500 songs, greatest songs of all time, which hasn't been updated for 17 years. Uh, number 17, Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And that could be further up on the list, in my personal opinion. I agree. Especially with its resurgence <clears throat> and its lasting power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when it when a song on more than one occasion jumps back up into popularity... That's pretty impressive. And it has. Mm-hmm. It I, jumped back up from Wayne's World. It jumped back mm-hmm. up from the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I could put that number one and be happy with that. Yeah. Yep. I could be all right with that, too. Uh, number 18. Here's another great one. Uh, Prince, Purple Rain. Mm. So good. Yep. That's so an amazing good. song. So good. And I still love hearing that. Uh, that whole album, the whole Purple Rain album is a perfect yep. album. It yep. took uh, Prince's death to make me appreciate them the way that I should have while he was alive. I mean, I, you know, because he got played a lot after he passed away, and I was like, holy crap, I missed out on this. I, I never right. saw him live. I really wish I had, because he's an unbelievable musician and, and a really incredible guitarist. Oh, my God, yeah. I was listening to Little Red Corvette yesterday, yeah. and you know, you know me, I, I focus in on a lot of the rhythms uh, that take place, and, and, and you know... So he orchestrated all of it. Like, like he would he would say, I want this drum part, yeah, yeah. I want this bass part, I want this synth part, all that stuff. And just that rhythmically, the things that he would come up with to make songs stand out, it is brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, listen to what's going on he, just in this. Yeah. And so there's a thing that happens. I'm going to bore you with this, but... Um, we have to wait till the song gets further on before you hear it. But but he would he would pause every other measure and and not have a downbeat on and not have a snare drum on the on the four of the day. And anyway, it was just makes it a unique beat. And so he was just a really smart uh, musician. Uh, so Prince is here we go. Like right there, there should have been a snare drum. One, three, pause. This time, I always walked around dressed like Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was more look. of a Lisa guy. Yeah, 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 man, absolutely. All right, so then you have, oh, here you go, number 19, John Lennon, Imagine. There you go, Chuck. Chuck. You're only 18 slots off. Yeah. <laughs> so that had to be way, way up there. I will tell you that to Kathy's assessment, um... It is a great song. We're not absolutely arguing that. It, it It is a little played out. And the fact that it is a bizarre go-to whenever any celebrity want, like Gal Gadot did in the, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, stop using this. Is that ex- yeah, stop. I, I kind of put it in there with Stairway to Heaven. Yes. Masterpiece, brilliant. Yes. And I've, heard, I've really? heard it so many times. Nice. You're both saying this. I mean, I love this song. It's a great song. But I've heard it so many times. I have to be in the exact right mood to see yes. it and listen to it from beginning to end now. You know what? It's also, beautiful. It's solid. Is that when 
somebody learns how to play piano and then they sit down and play this song and you're just like, all right, you know how to play Imagine? You know what, I think for for me, like the, when it was popular, like if, if I was alive when it was popular and when it was originally right. played out, that's what maybe turns me off. Like, you know what I mean? This has been around forever, so. Well, I, I remember when it was late released, I was... 63 at the time okay. uh, and, and uh, it was uh, no I mean it's been through a, a good chunk of my life and, it, and it's um, it's just a beautiful song but again not to diminute it it is it is a um, uh, it's just a, a lot I've heard yeah. it a lot John Lennon Imagine number 19 number 20 is from Robin a song called Dancing on My Own who's Robin? I don't know I know she's this a, song she's a, a musician she's a pop okay. singer pop R&B singer she and works with Batman uh, yes. <laughs> they call it the Boy Wonder. Why don't you cut a new track for the album, Ocean? <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, uh, why don't you talk about the way you're dancing? I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, well, Chuck, uh, your name is uh, Nick Murphy. He was giving me a thumbs up. He knows all about Robin. And he likes it? Yeah. Thumbs and up. It's a pretty good song. But I don't know it. How'd no. it go? Welcome to the Batcave. <laughs> We've got... You're in the Batcave jungle. Uh, Dancing on my own is that. Number 20 on this list is from uh, Billie Holiday, uh, and it's the song Strange Fruit. I love him. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Clueless. Is that yeah, from Clueless? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Strange Fruit. You know what that song's about? It's interesting. Is it about uh, heroin? No, it's about, like, um, down south, uh, the Klan uh, hanging black people in trees. Oh my God, I didn't realize uh, that. Lynching people. So that's it. It talks about you know, um, and I don't remember the lyrics specifically about um, about the trees sprouting strange fruit. And that was a um, it was a poetic uh, way to put that they were you know there were dead people, the corpses hanging in these trees. It was really intense. So um, I I um, years ago got into Billie Holiday and and the the story and the the you know her her, her tragic story. And then that documentary, or was it a documentary or was it an actual scripted film came out recently that talked about the FBI's efforts to investigate and sully her and, and uh, sort of the campaign against her. Do you, did you guys see that? You no, know what I'm talking no. about? Uh -oh. Okay, all right. It's an interesting, I, 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 I want to do a, a deep dive on that. It says, uh, the song protests the lynching of black Americans with lyrics that compare the victims to fruit of trees. Yeah. Uh, yeah the so. United States versus Billie Holiday. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'd like to see that. Uh, number 22 is the Ronettes, Be My Baby. Okay, be my little baby. Sampled by Eddie Money, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Not sampled, she actually re-recorded oh, okay. that. Okay. Uh, it was in the video and everything. Um, so, yes. Uh, well, she survived Phil Spector. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, so, that's number 22. Number 23 on the list, David Bowie and Heroes. Ooh, that, wow. so, tell me, so, Chucky is going into a texting frenzy over, imagine, I will take Heroes... Over imagine. They are sad. Wow. Okay. I, I said it. Uh, Peter Gabriel does a cover of Heroes and he uh, slightly changed the lyrics a little bit, but it was used at the end of the last season of Stranger Things. Yes. It is an incredible version of Heroes. I, I love the original the most, I think, but I cannot I can't stop listening to Peter Gabriel's cover of this song. So okay. to my mind, I always get the, the, the vision, the image. I saw him in concert on the Glass Spiders tour. I've said again this probably a quarter of a million times on the show. Uh, Peter Frampton was the guitarist on stage with him, and he disappears, and Preston, he's on top of this giant spider, and he has one light hits him, Madison Square Garden, wings rise up from behind him, and he starts into this song. And, and I'm cool. like, holy mother of God! Yeah, yeah. You know, 
Uh, so he's been uh, popping up a lot lately in uh, like ad campaigns as a uh, star man. Yes. As a star man waiting in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Who likes space? This guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's got both phones pointing at himself. <laughs> Then you have uh, number 24, another Beatles entry with A Day in the Life. Now, that's a brilliant song. I might take this over um, Strawberry Fields. So, yes, because this me song, first. every time I hear it, it wrecks me. Yeah. Like, I, I, I remember as a kid just sitting looking at the record spinning as I was like... Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. This song was, at the time was a bit of an acid trip. Yeah, this yeah. Was, uh, it's a bit of a of a mental journey that you take while you listen to this. Uh, so that's number 24 on the list. Uh, number 25 is Kanye West. Push, no, with, with featuring Pusha T with Runaway. I don't know that song. I don't know. Uh, number 26 on the list is Joni Mitchell, A Case of You. I don't know that song. I might if you I might heard know it. it. Yes, there's. I have. I've come around to, um, I always respected Joni Mitchell. Uh, and I never quite got everything about her, and now I really, uh, I really think she's fantastic. Do you know this song? It's not by you the title. Yeah, no. I, I don't know. I don't know it. Uh, so a case of you is 26. 27 is uh, Born to Run from Bruce Springsteen. Hmm. Uh, Early, low, highest placing Springsteen song, would you say? Um, yes. Okay. I think so. I think, I think lyrically it is so good. It, it tells this story. Yeah. And, uh, and it's such a catchy song. You know, I just, I, I still dig it. It's, it's one of those songs, you know, the, the first song from him that I just learned yeah. word for word. I'm it's like, also, this is really cool. It's a perfect record. I mean, this yeah. oh, it's song amazing. on this record, it just, it's of a time certainly, but it's uh, peak Bruce. And through to uh, Jungle A. Yes. Uh, so that's number 27. Uh, number eight on the list is Once in a Lifetime from Talking Heads. Wow. Huh. Interesting. Great song. I don't know if I'd put that as my favorite Talking Heads song. What would you, what would you, might, what might you place over it? This must be the place? No. Well, that's a great song, too. Um, Road to Nowhere. Road to Nowhere. I yeah. love that one. Yeah. Um, Take Me to the River. Is that what it's called? Yeah, they didn't write that, though. That's a, it's <sighs> an Al Green song. Burning Down the House, like during wartime. Yeah, maybe once in a lifetime. Like a killer. Yeah. I mean, just the way uh, Road to Nowhere starts. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Pinhead. Yeah. Mark and Brian program. What can I help you with? Uh, well, we were just calling up to see how you been. Well, thanks to you, pretty damn terrible. 
What, what do you mean? Well, you guys have been promoting Hellraiser so much that everybody's seen the darn thing, and I mean everybody. Right. Everybody, everybody now knows not to open the little box. <laughs> now, I can't appear and tear apart souls right. if I'm not invited in by somebody open up the dang box. Right, we understand. Now, as you can understand, this right. puts a real damper on the old career. Right, right, because you do, you spend most of your time tearing souls apart, and if nobody opens up the, the, the puzzle box, you got nothing to do. That's right. I'm in a real slump as far as uh, soul tearing goes. Really, really sorry, Pinhead. We, we didn't realize. Well, look, I got to do something to pay the bills, right? Right. I have a tremendous overhead being a demonic character. You do? I spend a foul week just on fishing tackle. <laughs> <laughs> and my pillowcase bill would choke a chicken. Oh, because the... Uh, yeah, I was sleeping, you know. The, the, the pin. <laughs> in your head rip, rip, rips the my pillowcase <laughs> will a chicken right yeah. right and, uh, and rent you think it's cheap to dwell in the bowels of hell didn't even know think again oh I got a two bedroom one and a half bath apartment just off the river sticks right <laughs> eight fifty a month you're not, kidding not including utilities and I don't even have a view <laughs> So, so anyway, I'm uh, I'm doing what I can to make ends meet. Well, yeah, what do you do when nobody's there around well, to tear their souls apart? As far as soul tearing goes, uh, Wednesday is double coupon day. Oh, that's In good. Invite one soul tear and get the second one free. <laughs> and, uh, let's see, I'm about to kick off my friends and family program, really? so... What is that? What is that exactly? <laughs> so. <laughs> and then, uh, and then there's my uh, two other jobs on the weekends. Uh, you have two other jobs on the weekend? Yeah. What? Are, what are they? Well, I'm a little embarrassed, but on uh, on Saturdays I'm doing uh, kids' birthday parties. <laughs> uh, I go up, uh, you know, I go up on Earth, and kids kids like me up there, so. So we do kids' birthday parties. We start off with uh, Ring Around the Pentagram. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I put on a, a pagan puppet show. Uh, uh, we play Hide and Go Bleed. Uh, let's see. Oh, then we play Pin Me on the Donkey. But now look. You yep. supply the donkey on that one. I have some uh, absolutely. dignity. Uh, absolutely. And you see Pinhead showing up, knocking on the door, toting the donkey. <laughs> it uh, just wouldn't be Pinhead-like. Yeah, and then, we, uh, then I hang upside down from a ceiling beam, and yeah. the kids all start swinging these really long sticks, and they try to break open the Miata. <laughs> That's going to take a minute. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I make a few uh, balloon animals. You make balloon animals? Yeah, I make balloon animals. Love well, it. <laughs> now, the problem is you got to make ends meet, like you said. Uh, make one for us. All right. Oh, hang on. All right, all right. Oh! <laughs> hang on, hang on. No! I'm, I'm going to get this. Hang on. All right. Roadkill. <laughs> you want another one? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 here's the 
there's another one. Alright. <laughs> Bloody spine. <laughs> what do you what do you we think one more maybe? Yeah, maybe one more, Pinhead. Oh, I gotta wait for the cart to queue up. Alright, just as soon as it's done, let us know. Uh, we can move on. It's not really that much. Alright, well really like that. The bloody spine has a nice option. I'm sure the kids love that. Yeah, see, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm making them balloon animals. I do a few imitations. Uh, what imit yeah, that's right, you did a couple last time. What do you got? Oh, pretty much anybody. Uh let's hear some uh Captain Kirk. This is Captain James T. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. We come in peace. We need your Federation of Planets to be it. Very nice, Pinhead. <laughs> hey, let's hear some hoss from Bonanza. Bad gummit, Paul. <laughs> I do a little, uh, Sean Connery. I do let's little hear some Sean Connery. I found the kill for cancer of the 21st century and I lost it. That's actually pretty damn good, Pinhead. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, now, uh... I mean, thank you. <laughs> now wait a minute. A little Gerard Depardieu. Yeah, let's hear some Gerard. Hey, Bonnie, with your back, your back, your back. You know, Pinhead, you're really actually a fun guy. Nobody uh, would know. Uh, well, if somebody opened the damn box, I wouldn't be anymore. Uh, now, you mentioned you had two weekend jobs. What was the other weekend job you have? Oh, that. Uh, well, I, uh, on Sundays, I work in the women's accessory department at May Company. <laughs> what do you do there? I'm an earring tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, they so they, they hang the jewelry on the pins on your head, they right? They display them. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't mind if someone, you know, makes me want to turn, you right, know, right. but when they use my pins to turn me, don't, don't do that. It's not good. Just use my shoulder Because they're connected, around. right. Yeah. Right, good to know. Uh, well, listen, Pinhead, uh, you know, there are... I'm an earring tree. Right, we heard that. Uh, right. Yeah, they're the other thing. Uh, there are some people that have not seen the movie Hellraiser, and for those that haven't, uh, we're going to be showing that at the uh, drive-in on Thursday night. Oh, that's great. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll stop by. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, listen, best of luck you with want a, You want another balloon animal? Sure, that'd be great. Before I go. All, All right. right. Here's one more. One more. Empire State Building. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. All right, we'll see you. Listen, Pinhead, good talking to you, bud. Bye-bye. The words to which I should like to call your attention this morning are to be found in the Gospel according to St. Mark, in the ninth chapter, verses 28 and 29. Verses 28 and 29, in the ninth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Mark. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. There are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Excellent day for an exorcism.
When The Exorcist, based on the novel by William Blatty, came to theaters in 1973, it captured the public's imagination, or more accurately, our nightmares. Let your mighty hand cast him out of your servant. Exorcisms aren't just the stuff of horror movies. Hundreds of thousands of Italian Catholics reportedly request them each year. But when William Friedkin directed the iconic movie, he hadn't seen one. It took him four decades. During a meeting with Father Gabriele Amort, chief exorcist for the Diocese of Rome, Friedkin had a chance to change that. I asked him if he would ever allow me to witness an exorcism which is never done. It's not an entertainment, it's not for show, Uh, but he had a wide berth. And a couple of days later, I got an email from the head of his order saying, okay, Father Amorth will allow you to witness an exorcism on May 1st of 2016 at three o'clock in the afternoon. Friedkin took a small camera with him, and that footage became the central scene of his new documentary called The Devil and Father Amort. I asked Friedkin to tell me about the woman whose exorcism he watched, 46-year-old Christina. She was an architect and a very attractive, intelligent, soft-spoken, wonderful woman. And when she came into the room, I wondered, what is she doing here? She seems to me to be totally together. And then during the exorcism, she completely unraveled. She spoke in a voice that was completely different from her own. She had what I would say was a natural amount of strength for a woman her size and age, and her entire personality had altered. What was it like to be in that room? Terrifying. I was scared, seriously scared. I was two feet away from them, as I am from you. And it was terrifying. Gradually, my fear turned into empathy for her. She was in seemingly unnatural and total pain. You then go off and talk to brain surgeons and psychiatrists, and you show them the footage that you took. Tell us what they said. Well, I expected they would debunk it and give me a medical or psychiatric term for it. But they don't. The brain surgeons all said they don't know what this is. Uh, These were guys who have done over 5,000 brain surgeries each. Mm. So I took it to them and they all to a person said, we don't know what this is. It's not epilepsy. It's not a lesion in the temporal lobe. We would not know what to remove from her brain to solve this. And the psychiatrist told me, to my astonishment, uh, that psychiatry now recognizes it as something called dissociative identity disorder, demonic possession. The doctor who was the head of the UCLA hospital uh, said to me in the film, just because we don't know about something doesn't mean it didn't happen. There are many things like radioactivity that we knew nothing about for the longest time. And maybe someday they'll find some medical or other term for possession. I don't know. So when you look back at at the horror film that you made that was a work of fiction and the actual exorcism that you 
witnessed. How do you reconcile those two things? I don't have to reconcile them. One is a work of fiction, the other is not. It is what I saw. But Blatty's novel and film is what people think about when they think about an exorcism. There's no doubt of that. And I don't know that that ever happened anytime, anywhere, and I tend to doubt it. I have to, because I have you here, I have to say that I saw The Exorcist, of course, when I was a very young child. I think I was about six years old. My siblings showed it to Wrong. me. Wrong. Wrong. It scarred <laughs> me. It scarred me in, in ways that still exist. I'm so I'm sorry, and yeah. I mean that. Uh, you know, I'm Catholic, so mm-hmm. it, it really sort of touched something deeply terrifying. And I'm curious why you think the idea of demon possession scares us in that way. Even for people who don't believe in it, it's still something that really affects people. Because it's at the height of the supernatural, things we don't know or understand. We don't understand anything, really. No matter what your religion or lack of it, we don't know anything about the eternal truths. Is there an afterlife? Is there a heaven or a hell? People can have faith and belief, but we know nothing. Not the Pope, not Bertrand Russell, or the greatest thinkers really know the answers to these questions. Hmm. You said that you found this exorcism deeply frightening. Is it something that of what your nightmares have made of, having given so many nightmares to others? I really don't have nightmares. You're Lucky sorry you. to hear, I'm sure. Uh, the whole experience really scared me while I was there. But as I told you, my fear turned to empathy for her completely because Father Amor died last year without having liberated her. And she has sought other exorcists, but he was in a class by himself. That was William Friedkin, director of The Exorcist. His new documentary is The Devil and Father Amor. Nobody got time for that. And now, the vampire of Kroglin Grange. Enjoy this short story. Make sure the lights are off. <laughs> The Vampire of Croglin Grange by Augustus Hare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Newgate Novelist. The Vampire of Croglin Grange by Augustus Hare. Fisher may sound a very plebeian name but this family is of very ancient lineage, and for many hundreds of years they have possessed a very curious old place in Cumberland, which bears the weird name of Croglin Grange. The great characteristic of the house is that never, at any period, of its very long existence, has it been more than one story high, but it has a terrace from which large grounds sweep away towards the church in the hollow and a fine distant view. 
when in the lapse of years the fishers outgrew croglin grange in family and fortune they were wise enough not to destroy the long-standing characteristic of the place by adding another story to the house but they went away to the south to reside at thorncombe near guildford and they let croglin grange they were extremely fortunate in their tenants two brothers and a sister they heard their praises from all quarters to their poorer neighbours they were all that is most kind and beneficent and their neighbours of a higher class spoke of them as a most welcome addition to the little society of the neighbourhood on their part the tenants were greatly delighted with their new residence the arrangement of the house which would have been a trial to many was not so to them in every respect croglin grange was exactly suited to them the winter was spent most happily by the new inmates of croglin grange who shared in all the little social pleasures of the district and made themselves very popular in the following summer there was one day which was dreadfully annihilatingly hot the brothers lay under the trees with their books for it was too hot for any active occupation the sister sat in the veranda and worked or tried to work for in the intense sultriness of that summer day work was next to impossible they dined early and after dinner they still sat out in the veranda enjoying the cool air which came with evening and they watched the sunset and the moon rise over the belt of trees which separated the grounds from the churchyard seeing it mount the heavens till the whole lawn was bathed in silver light across which the long shadows from the shrubbery fell as if embossed so vivid and distinct were they when they separated for the night all retiring to their rooms on the ground floor for as i said there was no upstairs in that house the sister felt that the heat was so great that she could not sleep and having fastened her window she did not close the shutters in that very quiet place it was not necessary and propped against the pillows she still watched the wonderful the marvellous beauty of that summer night gradually she became aware of two lights two lights which flickered in and out in the belt of trees which separated the lawn from the churchyard and as her gaze became fixed upon them she saw them emerge fixed in a dark substance a definite ghastly something which seemed every moment to become nearer increasing in size and substance as it approached every now and then it was lost for a moment in the long shadows which stretched across the lawn from the trees and then it emerged larger than ever and still coming on on as she watched it the most uncontrollable horror seized her she longed to get away but the door was close to the window and the door was locked on the inside and while she was unlocking it she must be for an instant nearer to it she longed to scream but her voice seemed paralysed her tongue glued to the roof of her mouth suddenly she never could explain why afterwards the terrible object seemed to turn to one side seemed to be going round the house not to be coming to her at all 
and immediately she jumped out of bed and rushed to the door but as she was unlocking it she heard scratch 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 upon the window and saw a hideous brown face with flaming eyes glaring in at her she rushed back to the bed but the creature continued to scratch 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 upon the window she felt a sort of mental comfort in the knowledge that the window was securely fastened on the inside suddenly the scratching sound ceased and a kind of pecking sound took its place then in her agony she became aware that the creature was unpicking the lead the noise continued and a diamond pane of glass fell into the room then a long bony finger of the creature came in and turned the handle of the window and the window opened and the creature came in and it came across the room and her terror was so great that she could not scream and it came up to the bed and it twisted its long bony fingers into her hair and it dragged her head over the side of the bed and it bit her violently in the throat as it bit her her voice was released and she screamed with all her might and main her brothers rushed out of their rooms but the door was locked on the inside a moment was lost while they got a poker and broke it open then the creature had already escaped through the window and the sister bleeding violently from a wound in the throat was lying unconscious over the side of the bed one brother pursued the creature which fled before him through the moonlight with gigantic strides and eventually seemed to disappear over the wall into the churchyard then he rejoined his brother by the sister's bedside she was dreadfully hurt and her wound was a very definite one but she was of strong disposition not given either to romance or superstition and when she came to herself she said what has happened is most extraordinary and i am very much hurt it seems inexplicable but of course there is an explanation and we must wait for it it will turn out that a lunatic has escaped from some asylum and found his way here the wound healed and she appeared to get well but the doctor who was sent for to her would not believe that she could bear so terrible a shock so easily and insisted that she must have change mental and physical so her brothers took her to switzerland being a sensible girl when she went abroad she threw herself at once into the interests of the country she was in she dried plants she made sketches she went up mountains and as the autumn came on she was the person who urged that they should return to Croglin grange we have taken it she said for seven years and we have only been there one and we shall always find it difficult to let a house which is only one story high so we had better return there lunatics do not escape every day as she urged it her brothers wished nothing better and the family returned to cumberland from there being no upstairs in the house it was impossible to make any great change in their arrangements the sister occupied the same room but it is unnecessary to say she always closed her shutters which however as in many old houses 
always left one top pane of the window uncovered the brothers moved and occupied a room together exactly opposite that of their sister and they always kept loaded pistols in their room the winter passed most peacefully and happily in the following march the sister was suddenly awakened by a sound she remembered only too well scratch 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 upon the window and looking up she saw climbed up to the topmost pane of the window the same hideous brown shrivelled face with glaring eyes looking in at her this time she screamed as loud as she could her brothers rushed out of their room with pistols and out of the front door the creature was already scudding away across the lawn one of the brothers fired and hit it in the leg but still with the other leg it continued to make way scrambled over the wall into the churchyard and seemed to disappear into a vault which belonged to a family long extinct the next day the brothers summoned all the tenants of Croglin grange and in their presence the vault was opened a horrible scene revealed itself the vault was full of coffins they had been broken open and their contents horribly mangled and distorted were scattered over the floor one coffin alone remained intact of that the lid had been lifted but still lay loose upon the coffin they raised it and there brown withered shrivelled mummified but quite entire was the same hideous figure which had looked in at the windows of Croglin Grange with the marks of a recent pistol shot in the leg and they did the only thing that can lay a vampire they burnt it end of the vampire of Croglin Grange
Hello. Um, uh, Richard? Gerald. How are you? Gerald, what'd they say? Tell me what I want to hear, Gerald. Well, are they going to pardon me, Gerald? Well, wait a minute, Richard. Uh, is, Gerald, day, tell me. Is your day going okay? I don't care about the day, Gerald. I want to know, am I getting pardoned? <sighs> well, uh, Richard, we got together here. We discussed the, uh... Gerald, tell me what I want to hear. Well, we discussed the Gerald, 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 and, uh, Gerald, 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 Gerald. I'm sorry to tell you, Richard. What? No, we're not going to be able to pardon you. I don't want to hear that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Gerald, tell me. I'm sorry, Richard. Well, why not? Well, it's just a situation where you did wrong and you're going to have to pay. All right, Gerald, this was very important to me. I understand that. There's got to be a deal we can make here, Gerald. I feel bad, Richard. All right, let me make this perfectly clear. What is it? A week from the Saturday. Right. I want to meet you and Camp David. Right. We'll go into a room where we're all alone. Right. You understand? No. What do you mean? I mean, we'll make the beast with two backs. I, I'm having under, I'm having difficulty understanding what you're saying. Well, lay some presidential pipe. <laughs> <laughs> now you understand. No, Richard, I really don't know. Don't what make you're, me come out and say this, there, Gerald. I don't know what you're saying. You can come and knock on my back door. Like candy on a shelf You want to taste and help yourself The sweetest things are there for you Help yourself, take a few That's what I want you to do <laughs> We're always told repeatedly <laughs> The very best in life is free so if you want to prove it's true, baby, I'm telling you, this is what you should do. 
Just help yourself to my lips, to my arms. Just say the word and they are yours. Just help yourself to the love in my heart. Your smile has opened up the door. The greatest wealth that exists in the world. You never buy what I can give. So help yourself to my lips, to my arms. And then let really start to live. My heart had love enough for two. <laughs> More than enough for me and you. I'm rich with love, a millionaire. I've so much, it's unfair. Why don't you take a share? Just help yourself to my lips, to my arms. Just say the word and they are yours. Just help yourself to the love in my heart. Your smile has opened up the door. The great best friend that exists in the world can never buy what I can give. So help yourself to my lips, to my arms, and then let's really start to live. Just help yourself to my lips. My arms just sit away and they are yours. Just have yourself to love in my heart. Your smile has opened up the door. The greatest wealth that exists in the world can never buy what I can give. What is that, Cristal? No! Dom P? Hell no! This is that Carlos Santana champagne! Oh shit! Santana DVX? That's my joint! Mine too, but a lot of these busters don't know about it! Well, let's tell these motherfuckers! As a kid, I used to lay awake and think When was Santana gonna make a drink? But now I'm all grown and my dream came true! Santana champagne! From him to you! From the heart of Napa Valley and the Guitar King Come the sparkling wine to make a blind man sing! Yo, it's the champagne from the man with the bandana I can't stand a flute with anything but Santana What's the first name in Jam? It's Carlos And to that man I propose a toast In the 60s he had lots of freebie sex But now he's getting down with the DVX Excuse me fellas Might I understand that Carlos Santana has made a champagne? That's right motherfucker Here, try it Alright Oh shit! I feel alive for the first time Each sip hits my lips like a landmine Without Carlos in my life, I was living a lie He makes his guitar weak, but his champagne cry He's a Southwest tie wearing bolo champ Coming straight out the box with a bolo champ Yo, he a beast with the sugar and yeast Mix in a pot, like the way it's released Mix jazz, blues, and pop And the sauce of fusion, he's Lady Shoe producing Plus he teamed with Rob Thomas for a music revolution On the seventh day, it's been said God rest But on the eighth day, he 
Gentlemen, gentlemen, what is all the hubbub about? Carlos Santana? That's real. I see you bitches is enjoying my sparkling wine. We certainly are. Well, be careful, because this shit'll get you fucked up. Bitch! Unlike no other. One of a kind, my sparkling wine. What? Santana DVX make you want to have sex. I'm rich, bitch. Rich, bitch. I'm having my chicks. Chick. Get laid all the time by 70s chicks. Uh, one hella Grammys. Batches throw me their panties. Bitch. I'm probably your daddy. I probably nutted in your mammy. Bitch. I'm a bay boy. City life. Been around the corner. Try to play me foul my vocals gonna run up on you. A legend. A boss. That's what I are. That's about me. Pimp Tanner be killing the guitar. Old enough to know better, but young enough to not care. I get acting. Might slap a bitch with my hair. Left coast up top. I bang that shit. My sparkling line of pop crystal on her list. Can't stop. Won't stop getting my bread. Pack arenas and coliseums. Now watch me shred. A monkey drank a bottle and learned to speak A square drank a bottle and became a freak A lion drank a bottle and forgot how to growl A horse drank a bottle and fucked a cow Mr. Sandberg, thanks for coming to your performance review. No problem. So you're in charge around here, is that fair to say? Absolutely. I'm the boss. Okay, so take us through a day in the life of the boss. Well, the first thing I do is... Talk to corporate! Approve memos! Lead a workshop! Remember birthdays! Direct workflow! My own bathroom! Micromanage! Promote synergy! Hit on Deborah! Get rejected! Swallow sadness! Send some faxes! Call a sex line! Cry deeply! Demand a refund! Eat a bagel! Harassment lawsuit! No promotion! Fist of vodka! Shit on Deborah's desk! Buy a gun! In my mouth! Oh fuck me, can't fucking do it, shit! Pussy out! Puke on Deborah's desk! Jump out the window! Suck a dude's dick! Score some coke! Crash my car! Suck my own dick! Eat some chicken strips! Chop my balls off! Blackout in the sewer! Meet a giant fish! Fuck his brains out! Turn into a jet! Bomb the Russians! Crash into the sun! Now I'm dead! Uh-huh. So that's an average day for you then? No doubt. You chop your balls off and die. Hell yeah. And I think at uh, one point there you said something about sucking your own dick? Nope. Actually, I'm pretty sure you did. Nah, that ain't me. Okay, well, this has been eye-opening for me. I'm the boss. Yeah, no, I got that. You said it about 400 times. I'm the boss. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I'm the boss. No, I heard you. See you later. Like a boss. Alright, cool. It's all good. I was just resting in a lot of pain because of the rain, so I do that. I recuperate by sleeping. That's all. Cool? Cool. Now we're going to listen to a conversation with myself and Kenneth DeGroot. Kenneth is a great man, and he's telling his stories from his childhood. Hilarious. Stay tuned. Listen. Uncut. Yeah, I'm jumping in his car and he couldn't go nowhere. All four flat tires. That's funny.
<laughs> he did that half a dozen times. Disabling the tires? Yeah. You know, I heard a cop was sitting at the JP's office. He was on the JP's office in a back street. The JP Justice of Peace? Yeah. Okay. And uh, then, like on a dark street, no lights or nothing. Yeah. So you just go up there and have a pop, 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 That half a dozen times. Tell me that hat story again. He, he beat the piss out of Cooper White. He couldn't stand Cooper White. Mark beat the piss out of Cooper White. Yeah, that was one of the Newtown cops. That was about when? What year, you say? That was back in back in the seventies. Seventies, yeah. So what, what made him knock off the policeman's hat off his head? Just to get in a with the cop. Yeah, yeah. He used to go up to the goodness parking lot just to, just to get in a fight with the fucking cop because they knew they were going to call the cops. <laughs> oh, sooner or later. Right. Somebody somebody came in there a Corvette. Yeah. Top down, sitting in the parlor. Okay. Mark jumped in the driver's seat. Took his shit on the driver's seat. What? Crap, took his <laughs> pulled pen and shit on the driver's seat. What the hell? And jumped out of the car and went on his way. That is not <laughs> good. <laughs> Was that his, like, uh... His ammo to Newtown. Newtown and somebody with a, with a cool car. Yeah, one one time the cops were looking for him. Yeah. And they, he he ran into the laundromat. Okay. And climbed one of the fucking big old dryers. <laughs> yeah. He hid from the cops on one of the fucking dryers. Because <laughs> <laughs> they got the real big door on him. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah, cops <laughs> couldn't find him. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me the cops found them and put it on the spitter. No. <laughs> so this guy was a troublemaker. Yeah, yeah, he liked to get in trouble. Of course he did. His name is Mark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nah, I don't get I'm a good boy. <clears throat> what else? Oh, he used to get in trouble all the time with the cops. The cops love little fuck with him too. Yeah. Except for Cooper White. Cooper White, you know, he got his ass kicked every time he fought with Cooper, Poor Cooper White. <laughs> <laughs> what was he like, Barney Fife? Yeah. <laughs> All nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Like Barney Fife. There's only one cop in Newtown when I was a kid. Yeah. At first. Then they came up with Warden Almond Road, Cooper White. Definitely small town when you knew the cops' names. Yeah. And we used to fuck with them all the time. Mm hmm. Delinquents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
see a cop come down the road and there's a big fucking tractor tire. The sand thing for kids laying in somebody's yard. And an old tractor tire in the yard to play in. Yeah, we, yeah, it's for the kids to play in, but we, yeah. we picked it up and uh, as soon as the cop was coming down the street, we rolled it out in front of his car and <laughs> coming down the street. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Big fucking tractor tire. <laughs> you were a terror two feet, brother. <laughs> I bet you were the strong, quiet one that said, no, you better not do that. No. <laughs> no. Now, I come to mischief, I was, I was really involved with it somewhere along the line. Oh, yeah. Mischief night. Any good mischief night stories? <laughs> no, I didn't do too much. Just grabbing toilet paper. Yeah. Mr. Knight and Vogelman. But in Newtown, I was always getting in trouble there, too. Underage drinking blinds. Yeah, drinking will get you into trouble. Want it? I had a friend of mine had a gas station up in Langhorn. Mexico station. Mm-hmm. There's a bar right next to it, and uh, they had a, a walk-in cooler. All right. Outside with cases of beer. Outside. It was outside. Yeah, with the walk-in. What was the well, walk-in? I was just asking for trouble. Never locked. <laughs> the door was wide open. We used to go out there at night. He loaded his fucking garage up with fucking beer, cases of beer. <laughs> I've ever sit over his house and drink all fucking day a weekend. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's funny. So, I, I don't understand that. But they never fucking got wind of it either. It gets me. Really? They're losing cases of beer left and right. Uh huh. Yeah. How about that? And this was about when? We'd have... Huh? About what year around? And this was back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. They're always 70s. Literally one night. How much beer could you take? I mean, why? You know, you don't need that much, but... What was the most... Well, we, yeah, we have... We do a sit in the garage. It was, you know, it was like a party, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> party room. So you bought enough to sit on and then to drink. And it, it, <laughs> it was all cold, too. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a little Texaco station out there. It was on 213. Going outside of Langhorn. Yeah, yeah. Goes from Langhorn out to, or from, like, say, Pendel. Yeah. Well, yeah, Langhorn out to uh, Eastville. Yeah. 213? Yeah. Here's a little tax station. That was our party hangout on weekends. It's amazing. And then I got a license, and then my fucking car was a fucking booze cruising mobile. Booze cruise mobile? Yeah. Wee! 
<laughs> got a couple couple six packs of ice to serve him as any fucking bar new town. Right. About 14. He, you had a beard though. I had a mustache. Mustache? Yeah. And you were like six foot three. Yeah, six foot two. I was. Yeah. I had to serve him. We have a party and everybody, you can't even come to the party. I would walk down the street and there's a party to right close to the bar. I walk over to the fucking bar and keep kids in the fucking bar that are me coming about 15 times a night. You know? <laughs> and I just fucking walk out. You know? 15 times? Yeah, I remember. I remember, remember Mary Clark's house. Alan Davis is growing and we're away from the female. Uh huh. Mary? She used to live right close to the bar. We used to go over there and she would make a spaghetti dinner. Bunch of fucking drunks. She'd go to Jeff Chapman's house. His mother has another party hanging out. His mother was an alcoholic and all her fucking sons were. And go over there and drink all fucking days and week Sundays. Wow. Watch football and shit. Fucking drunks all flying all over the Kenny, when you think about that stuff and look back on it, what do you say to yourself? Do you say, wow, these were great times, or do you say, man, I wish I didn't drink so much? Now I would. Now I would. Yeah. It caused me a lot of fucking 135 hour fine for drinking, underage drinking. Yeah. Every fucking weekend, like the whole fucking summer. My dad wouldn't go to bed until he got a, he didn't even get a call from the fucking township police. Wow. They would sit up and watch Jack Parr in the late night news, these late night. Yeah, Jack Parr through. was the, the one before Johnny. Yeah, Johnny Carson, Jack yeah. Parr. But your dad. He would, he would sit, all, sit up all night waiting for a call. Yeah. So the police, he knows you're gonna pick me up somewhere. He's Under worried about again. you. And your dad was uh, a farmer. Yeah, truck driver. Truck farmer. driver. And then you guys worked together. Hydro seeding. Hydro seeding. Fuck that. Awesome. I was a family-run business. Too. My dad was. Dad started. I was part owner of it. That was relatively new back then. Then we started back in the. 60, is, uh, 65 is when he bought his first machine. 1965. Wow, you were a youngin'. Yeah. We, you were not even 10 years old yet. And, uh, you were, no, you were 13. And, and that, that fucking business took off like, like fucking fireworks, man. Everybody did Saw the, saw the, uh, the operation, wanted it done. We'd be spraying somebody's lawn or something. My neighbors would be coming here and want their lawn done. Yeah. That's a great feeling, though. That's like uh, Giuseppe's. We did all the fucking Giuseppe's times. There, the next development down on the right hand side. Yeah. Whenever one of the Giuseppe's would get married, they, they bought. Bought my house and had development. And then the house is built, they they call us up and to see the lawn. To see the lawn, yeah. Because it's new construction. Yeah. So pass, in your estimation, cash. in your estimation, was seeding like that better than using 
turf. Yeah, seemed to be. Seemed to work good. Work really long. Got a little moisture on it. Once you put it down, see the mulch, the wood fiber holds the moisture in the seed. Yes. To get it to germinate. Yeah. All you need is a couple of sunny days and a little bit. And it comes moisture right up. And it comes right up, yeah. And it's probably a better blade, stronger. Because uh, the turf, you know, it's just. It's growing on its own. Yeah, yeah. And it, it could easily come up. Yeah. Yeah, hydro seeding was the way to go. I don't know, we had... Uh, you had big contracts. We had, we had four crews running. Yeah, we had uh, B, uh, line gun. I don't know, we did pipelines, a couple pipelines. Uh-huh. The Buckeye pipeline, we worked on that. We worked on that. Were they oil lines? Yeah. And they would stretch for miles and miles. Yeah, so they say a hundred volt right away. From uh on the other side of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Started there and went all the way to fucking uh New Jersey, uh, where they in New Jersey they, they ran a pipe under the under the river. Huh. But I'm interested in the pipe that ran out outside, so that all along you guys did the seating around the piping. Yeah, yeah, they cut a hundred foot right away. Yeah, and then they they would uh, dig a trench and put the big pipe. You know, they had all these uh, steam fitter guys in there welding this, this pipe, very big, great big brown pipe. Yep, I mean pipe was big enough around it. Yeah, I could stand up in it. That big? Yeah. Wow. That's a huge diameter pipe. Yeah. And they had a whole cruise of guys and they had machines that would pick it up and set it in the hole. Yeah. And they, they would cover it over. Uh-huh. And after they covered it over, we had to seed. Okay, so this We're, was underground then. Okay. The pipe was underground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except for when it went through Delaware River. Well, Delaware River underneath yeah they did they went through the water went yeah. under the water but you guys had to wait till they were completed yeah with this with the dirt yeah yeah over the, the pipe yeah when, yeah it'd be all covered over again so then you'd come in with your truck level up yeah and then they they always had a like a dirt roadway going alongside of it right to access alongside of it. and for the power the power p line mm-hmm. we talked we did the telegraph line right down there the power lines, the yeah, big, power line. huge power lines, yeah. We did that. And they go on for miles, and it's like a, uh, it's like a valley. Not yeah, a valley, where, but wherever they could, you can see, uh, it's a huge path. Wherever you can see dirt from the, like an interstate highway or a road, yeah, or a hillside or something, right, had to be seeded. And we were planting with the uh, alderberry bush. We did one up in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. That was one of the first jobs we did. Yeah. I mean, the fucking mountain was like straight up in the air. We had a dozer with a winch on it. I lowered my dad down over the edge of the fucking hill, mountain. The hydrocedar. Okay. And we, you know, you needed one man to operate it. Because all my dad could do to hold on to the fucking thing. So straight up in the air. Yeah. And I had a D9 with a winch on it. Pull it up real slow as my dad was seeding it. As he, as he went? And as it emptied out, we'd have a, we had two trucks running, 
And one's, one's getting loaded while he's spraying one. Yeah. When that's empty, they pull him up the top, unhook the cables to the truck, put another one in front of him, and that's the next, next one. Right. And they were 2,500 gallon machines, too. Wow. I have 2,500 gallon hydrocyters. Sounds dangerous. Uh, my dad lost his leg in one. No. His right leg he lost up to. He had his, had his leg. Just below his knee? Just below his knee. He had his knee on his right leg. Yep. How did that happen? She, my mom bought him new pants and they were a little long on them. Uh-huh. And uh, there's an auger with teeth on it. Yeah. And you put the wood fiber in it. Yeah. You would chop it up and you, as you're filling the tank. And you're mixing it with water. Yep. And uh, the teeth on that one auger caught his pant leg on his pants, pulled his leg in in the auger. Oh, Jesus. He was working down in uh, Maryland at the time. Peach, peach, peach Bottom. Peach Bottom. Peach, peach Bottom, bottom Maryland. Maryland. Peach Bottom Nuclear Power Plant. Wow. That was a big fucking lake. And as a, his knee, because he's setting the pump up there. Had a filling machine, you had to fill a machine with water. Yeah. It was a great big humongous fucking lake. And then it, and then as like Delaware and DC would they pump the water out of it for these uh, nuclear power plants. Yeah. It would they at night they would they'd fill the lake up. Uh-huh. But the lake would be filled with brim. And we would set our pump up and every time you come back to Reload. You had to drag the pump down with a bottle of water again. <laughs> it was taking take that much water, so using up that much water all the time. Yeah. They're pulling the water like out of the South Carolina mm-hmm. River and shit. Yeah. To fill it, they they fill it all night long. Yeah. Then as as the day goes on, they're using the power to, for power plant. Uh huh. It would you know go down. It was weird. Every time we come back, you had to move the pump another. And feed out to the water again. Right. Or How did it get replenished? What's that? Well, it emptied out, but then what? You know, like, how does it, does it well, fill back up? Yeah. Yeah, and it was, as it was taken down, there was pumps coming out of the, the closest river. Like, like the South Carolina River. Oh, yeah, right. Closest river, filling the pump, filling the lake up. But that's where it happened, huh? Yeah. His leg? Yeah, yeah. Beach, beach, beach bottom. Were you glad you weren't there? Oh, I, I wasn't there. I was working on another job up in Binghamton, New York. Yeah. That we had. That was a army engineer job. Did the machine stop? Um, just by dumb luck, there was another guy with him. And it, he did stop the Belgium. Yeah. The pump and everything? Yep. And he did stop it, and uh, Steve kicked it out of gear in time. Or, but it would have been, it would have sucked them whole, it would have sucked them all the way in. Yeah, it would them all the way in. Oh, my God. But Steve got it, kicked it out of gear. But when it pulled his leg in, yeah, these teeth on that auger, all Jim pulled his leg in, he was in there like this. Yeah. And the teeth from that, that auger... Like they were like six inch long teeth. Holy shit! It was like Went all the way up in the back of the leg. It's like eating a, like a shark. Yeah. So he, they had to, had to call a welder in 
to cut the auger out, to cut a section out of the auger. You Did he lose him. consciousness? No, he stayed conscious for the whole fucking thing. Because he must have lost a lot of blood. Yeah, oh, he did. He could have still died. He should have. Well, you're glad he didn't. Because mm. what... How old was he then? 40s? My dad... Yeah, he, my dad died at 49. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I'm uh, sorry. Bone marrow cancer. Right. I think that's from fucking uh, people in the New York hospital. That's the hospital I took them to. Uh-huh. We had to go out there every weekend and visit him out there. And that was a drive. Yeah, I had to take my mom out. How long was he in for the hospital for? Well, not really that long. Okay. As soon as they got him fitted with, with an artificial limb, uh-huh. he got out of there and he... He had to learn to walk, though, right? Yeah, he had to learn to walk, walk on that. Once he learned to walk on that, he basically, and he, he used to play, play soccer with, run, drive a truck. He never knew he, he had, didn't have a leg. Never knew he had an arm leg. Wow. Until he had, it was with Velcro. Went around his feet, <laughs> held it on. Yeah. He'd walk into the Somerville Diner one time. Yeah. Fucking Velcro that loose on his leg. Yeah. And the Somerville Diner is a circle. Yeah. He'd stand around the steps and we're sitting in the diner waiting for him. We knew he was going to be there. And I just happened to look out the window and hear Dad put his pants down around his knees, trying to reach around his legs. His leg, <laughs> the Velcro came on down on his fucking leg. He just dropped his fucking drawers right in front of the fucking diner. <laughs> what are you going to do? You got it. You get all you could do. You know? Yeah, right. And. I was laughing like hell. Her dad out there was pants down. Well, otherwise, he'd be hopping along yeah, yeah, yeah. to the bathroom yeah, with, yeah. The, with a leg in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> we did get into a boardroom brawl one time up in New York. Okay. It was uh, me, my dad, two or three guys we got working for us. And they called the cop on us. On, uh, you know, because the bar and brawler was fighting around. Yeah. The cops come in the fucking bar and somebody hit my dad and knocked him out. Oh. Dad wow. laying on the floor and the cop grabbed one arm. Yeah. One of them cop on each arm. One on each leg. Okay. And the cop pulled his fucking leg off. <laughs> <laughs> the cop didn't know shit or go blind. <laughs> We laughed so hard about that. And God dropped that leg. And that's where the term, you must be pulling my leg. Yeah, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, but that's funny, man. You know what? He used to drive a truck and do everything with that one leg. Yeah. We, we, we were hydrants eating. We always had full hydrants right next to one another. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a ladder up the back of them. Yeah. And what we did, we pull up next to them and then pull over to the side. Back up so you only had to step across the box. Uh-huh. The hydrants eaters that go from one hydrants eater to the next. Yeah. And he would keep spraying. And then we took the empty hydrants eater back to reload it. Yeah. We had sometimes we had two and three hydrants eaters on the fucking job. That's where we made all our money on his power line jobs. 
Yeah. And and that pipeline. It's awesome. I mean, it was good money too. You had an interesting upbringing, my friend. And my my job was helping load the hydrogeners. They had forty foot van trailers. Yeah. Had to pull up alongside of side of the van trailer and throw all the lime and fertilizer on top of the hydrogener. The mulch. Mm-hmm. Used about fifteen bags of mulch in each load. Wow. And a ton of fertilizer, a ton of lime in each load. Right. It's like good. Twenty-five bags of lime or eighty pounds. All bags. mixed up. And it mixes with water, yeah. And the seed, of course. Yeah, and the seed, yeah. Mixing Morning. The lime and fertilizer. Get out of here. Yes, it is. The lime and fertilizer good, all gets mixed with water, and then you, know, you spray it on. Yeah. On, on the ground. And you, you would grow on the side of a fucking tree if it got moisture, a little sun and a little moisture on it. Yeah. Within a week, the fucking grass, grass would be growing, sprouting on the side of a tree and shit. So I'm wondering if somebody were to be coated by it. <laughs> if yeah, a human yeah, were to be coated by it, would he grow grass on him? Growing <laughs> grow your bald head. Yeah. <laughs> Keep watering your, watering your own. That'd be great. Like Weed whacker them up. Yeah. Just make it thick enough. Weed whacker Pat it on top. <laughs> yeah, part it. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Weed whacker to cut. Trim your beard. <laughs> or cut your hair. Coffee Kenny. I have Kenny's, you know, on my podcast, I have little sound bites of your laugh. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, we did one, one power line one from that. Bring him to New York to Lake Placid. Lake Placid. And all the towers, the big high metal towers. Yep. Still structure towers. Yep. Wherever people could see dirt in a town or the interstate or something. Yep. Had to be seated. All the way from Bingham to New York to Lake Placid. It's big money, man. It was. Big money jobs. Thanks for sharing. He's going to be on my next podcast. We had, like, we had like four crews of guys working. How many? There's always two, two, two crews up in New York and right down. Right. In this area. My brother-in-law... Used to run one. And my brother and my sister, they were part of the business. Kenny, you're a good man. Then we, uh, we got fucked, but we did all see all the bike paths and everything in uh, the park up here. Really? Up by, up by uh, 313. Yeah. What's the name of that one? Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know, but but the point is that you you and your dad had some get some great stuff together. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, sadly, he went too soon. Yes, he did. He was definitely too late. My dad liked to drink too. Some good stories though. After work, it makes for some good stories though. I think everybody who listen to my show will remember the leg story. (laughs) Pulling it, got pulling. We were getting a bar, man. After work, we were 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. Real warm. They don't heat that up. Or from daylight to dark. Way after dark. But yeah. All right, Mr. DeGroot. Until the next time, right? We had tractor trailers. We used to have <laughs> power bulbs, little bulbs. Yeah. They used to, we used to pick up reefer loads of them, come in at Port Elizabeth. Okay. Our Newark, New Jersey, up in that area. A whole trailer load of? Trailer loads of flower bulbs. Yeah. We used to, drop, to pick them up there. Take them to our sensitive farm. Uh huh. My dad and I, and my brother and I, too. Right. Once they got their license to drive trucks, so I used to haul power bolts on down the East Coast. Power, power bolts. I used to haul Easter flowers. They're still growing. Live Easter flowers and stuff like that. Do you know they're still growing? <laughs> yeah. Along the highways, you see all, all the, those bulbs, man. We had uh, three track truck tractors, and uh-huh. I used to drive one. So I got my license, and my dad stuck me in a tractor trailer and sent me at every Hagway store from uh, New Jersey, South Jersey, all the way up to fucking Boston, Massachusetts. I'm really? In New England states. Were you selling them stuff? No, they would deliver them. Some salesman, Holland, came over. Yeah. And you bought so many cars worth of uh, beers on the Agway. Yep. They gave you so many flower bowls with your order. Uh-huh. And then um, went to Memphis, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, Bristol, Tennessee, all the golf stations. Golf gasoline stations. Yeah. I'm listening. Well, so many dollars worth of gas, they give you a few flower bulbs with you. <laughs> purchase of gas. Really? We used to all come and collect them all. At least one load a week to, like in Knoxville. Yeah. Nashville, Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Just drive, take me to Michigan. Michigan. Chicago. And we've been around. We had meat haulers used to cook haul meat in, in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. They dropped down to our place. We would transfer loads over into their trailers. They would take them out west. Wow. Iowa, not that way. Yeah, yeah. Man. Like, full loads of them. What a varied. You guys did every. Every little thing. Yeah, we did all kinds of anything to make. Anything. My dad said, can't make, make a nickel. He said, I ain't doing it. Right. Well, can't can he? can't make a nickel. I ain't fucking doing it. Of course. So I need to ask your permission. We have been recording you. I've been recording you. And I'm going to put it on Saturday's show, if you don't mind. No, I don't care. And then we'll listen to it together. <laughs> a lot of people don't know Kenny really helped me out when my first son died. I was living here, and uh, I don't know if I asked him. I don't think I did, but he just got me out of here for an hour when they came to get uh, 
my second sons, uh, and they came to get him, you know, I didn't, just didn't want to be here, and Kenny drove me around, man, and I'll never forget it, and we, uh, to this day, I take him around, wherever he wants to go, we go, except lately in the morning, I haven't been getting up, so he's pissed at me, (laughs) I know, I'm kidding, kidding. It's all good, man. Coffee Kenny, baby. <laughs> Green Acres is the place to be. Farm living is the life for me. Land spreading out so far and wide. Keep Manhattan, just give me that countryside. Customary yay, that means we're out of here. Martini shot, know what I mean? Peace out, people. God bless. This has been a Mark Markarian production. <laughs>